Okay, everybody, this is Emar Sofertut. Welcome to another edition of the Technical State of Georgia Athletics, where we're going to recap Georgia State football's home win over Texas State this past weekend. We are recording this on October 25th, 2021. Hope all is well out there in the world for you. To follow everything that we do, go to the mothership, the sportsinquire.net premier site for news and notes in the world of sports. You can also go to our social media platforms on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Sports Inquirer. That's all one word. Do a search on there and you will be able to keep track of all that we have going on. And finally, subscribe to our audio and video platforms such as YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and also within Spotify, if you want to go to uh, Anchor, that's a subsidiary of Spotify. That is, they both go to the same site, but go to Spotify, you'll see our stuff. Uh, Google Podcast uh, as well. So you go to any of those sites and you'll be able to keep track of all that we have going on. Yeah, so after a slow start to the season, Georgia State football is now on a two-game winning streak. They were able to defeat Texas State 28-16 on October 28th. Big performances all around for the team, and we'll get to each of those. But that victory pushed Georgia State's record to 3-4 and four overall, 2-1 and one in the Sun Belt Conference, and the standings are very jumbled up at the top of the Eastern Division standings, which we'll get to later. But Panthers were able to move the ball pretty efficiently in the contest. 498 yards of total offense in the victory. Before we get to specifics, here is head coach of the Panthers, Sean Elliott, on the victory. Great homecoming win. It was, uh, you know, just a, a gutsy performance. You know, I looked at it in the first half. We, uh, you know, we had the ball for 10 minutes offensively, just over 10 minutes, and and had the lead going in, and uh, our defense was holding the field goals, and we felt very comfortable coming in here at halftime, and we felt like we were going to pull away, and and um, we didn't pull away quite as far as we would have liked it, of course, but uh, we really did a great job. And, you know, some of the <clears throat> the plays out there today, uh, you know, just look at Tucker Gregg. Uh, Tucker Gregg goes over a thousand yards today, and it's in his career, right? Yeah, in his career, and then Roger Carter goes over a thousand yards receiving. In, in his career, um, Jalen Jones gets a pick. I mean, it just, you know, it, they, these wins are, are tough. I mean, they really are. You ask anybody that goes out there and plays a game, and you, you got to fight the other team and fight with the officials a little bit, and, you know, and, and we pulled out a good win. Texas State was a gutsy team. I mean, they were. They, their quarterback uh, made plays and kept them in the game, but like I said, they weren't putting the ball in the end zone, and, and uh, I'm just really proud of our football team. And they had a very good balance of passing the ball and throwing the ball, led by quarterback Darren Granger. He had 306 total yards of offense in the contest, 200 passing and 106 yards rushing and two TD passes in the victory. We've seen Granger evolve from being the backup to start the season to taking over for Cornelius Brown in the middle of the year to now being one of the top performing quarterbacks in the entire Sunbelt Conference, all within the span of about four weeks, about a month. So it's been a very big development for Granger and everything that he has going on. Here is Elliot on Granger's evolution. You know, Darren does a lot of great things for us, running the football. Uh, there was a couple opportunities to make some bigger plays in the throw game, uh, hit the one post early, missed another big time post uh, to, I think, thrash in an overthrow. Uh, we've got to continue to develop our passing game. 
better. We've, we've got to, uh, I don't know what we, as, as far as minimize it, but make it easier throws or, or whatever it may be. But uh, we, we've got to get better. Darren's got to get better throwing the football. And uh, I think he would agree to that. If he was sitting right in here beside me, he ran the football extremely well today. What a Darren. He had, what, 14 carries for 110 yards, a net 106. He does a great job in a run game, and that opens up our holes uh, inside for the Tucker Greggs and Jam. You know, Jam's coming on strong. Uh, what do you have? Eight carries for 77 yards, two touchdowns. Did a phenomenal job. Darren's running ability opens up our inside run game, but we all know that if we can develop that downfield throw game, our rushing yards are going to be that much better. Uh, we've got to work in protection. We've got to work in his reads. We've got to work in our in our throwing concepts. But uh, he's capable of doing all those things. I'm very proud of him. He's tough. He had the one turnover that I was really uh, frustrated with. I, I just don't like the turnovers, of course. Uh, but I, I'm pleased with Darren, and uh, he's only just going to get better. Yeah, and while the throwing has been a work in progress, he's become better at that part of the game. But Big thing for Granger and really the, the Georgia State offense in general is running the ball. They had more than 200 yards of rushing as a team once again in the contest. Tucker Gregg had a game by 115 rushing yards in the victory, surpassed 1,000 career rushing yards in his career uh, in the contest. Here is Elliot on Tucker Gregg's performance and just his contributions to the team this year. He fits our style of running. Um... You know, we, we run what I call a tight zone scheme. and um, The blocking has to develop, and he is a very patient runner. He, uh, you know, we always kind of say slow to the hole and, and let it develop, and he does a great job. He does a great job of seeing it, and he's strong. He's very dependable and very durable. Um, so he's just uh, worked himself. Like I said, he comes in, he works every single day, doesn't say a word. He does what's best for our football team, and, and that's why uh, he's a special young man. And so he's been a very big part of the team and a big contributor. And I highly recommend that you go to our site, the sportsinquire.net, or to our audio and video platforms and see our exclusive interview that we did with Tucker earlier on in the season. Uh, so he's had played very well really throughout the year, not just because he went on our show, but he's been a uh, all-conference caliber rusher for the Panthers this year. Now, the Bobcats, they fell to 2-5 overall in the season and 1-2 in the Sun Belt. Brady McBride did throw for a game-high 268 yards in the loss for the, the Bobcats. But the big thing with Texas State, they did had a 6-0 six, six lead early in the first quarter on consecutive field goals of 42 yards each by Seth Keller. The, the Bobcats were able to move the ball down the field and get some big offensive plays, but were unable to convert those into touchdowns. Here is Coach Elliott on limiting the Bobcats to field goals and what it, the big factors it was in leading the team to the victory. I'm a guy that thinks, you know, in this day and age, the field goal, you know, unless it's a, a last second scenario, it doesn't, it doesn't win you a lot of games. Um, that's why I, I kind of go for it at times and, um, instead of kicking the longer field goal. <clears throat> when they did that, I always put it, I kind of put it in my back of my mind. I'm like, that's three points. Second possession, that's three more points. I'm like, that's six. You know, I'm not, not, not concerned. It's a great stop for our defense. And I'm like, we're fixing to get rolling here offensively, and we're going to put this thing in. And, you know, they, they, I think we had 10 minutes in the first half and 250-something yards, and, and we were in the lead. And then they had the ball for 20 minutes. 
but they had field goals. And like I said, field goals ain't gonna cut it. Yeah, and right after that second field goal, you felt that Georgia State's offensive would eventually get things going, and that's exactly what happened. They were they took a seven to six lead with fifty four seconds left in the first quarter, an eighteen yard touchdown run by Jam Williams, and uh, that touchdown completed a seven play, ninety nine yard drive that took third two minutes and thirty seconds off of the clock, and that tied the program record for the longest drive in history. And you really saw the offensive line start to assert itself in that drive, and it continued on throughout the entire contest. The offensive line allowed no sacks in the contest for Georgia State. Uh, Only one tackle of loss by the Texas State defense in the contest. I asked Coach Elliott directly about the offensive line and their contributions to the victory. Okay, let's call them out by name. We got Travis Glover. We got Pat Bartlett, Malik Sumter, Juan Gilmore. Bass, Jonathan Bass. Then you throw our tight ends in there with Aubrey Payne and Roger Carter. And you throw our backs in there and Tucker Gregg and Jam and all those guys and those wide receivers. Uh, that group up front, you know, is is doing a really nice job. And I, I, you know, people, they, they probably get so mad at me because I get so frustrated on the sideline. I, I think every play's got to be perfection or they were to see this and they were to see that. But you know, it, it, it's awesome to watch, and I'm just really proud of them. Those guys have been here for a long time. They've been doing those things each and every week. I think for three years now, it's just been uh, awesome to watch us take control of the line of scrimmage and, and do what we need to do, and very pleased. And we got some younger guys behind them. They're going to push and, and come into play and help create those that, that next-level push in the coming years. But I'm very, very pleased of, of all those guys. Uh, it's hard for them because, you know, it got a little chippy out there. There's a couple – couple of uh, punches thrown and you know they call all setting penalties and I'm I just that, it's a hard thing to do but I told them I said listen the greatest thing you can do is go back line down put your hand in the ground and move that man against his will that's that's the name of the game for the offensive line moving that man against his will it's one of the best feelings and, and they they have that they, they know what that feels like yeah, and Georgia State was able to increase its lead uh, in the, later on in the second quarter on a 35-yard TD catch by Jamari Thrash on an inside post route. That made the f- score 14-6. to Texas State did cut the deficit to 14-13 thir- to uh, later on in that second quarter on a 8-yard quarterback keeper run by McBride uh, to make the score 14-13. to McBride, by the way, had a team-high 46 rushing yards in the contest. So score went to halftime 14 to 13 in favor of the Panthers. And Georgia State increased its margin on its first possession of the third quarter on Jay Williams' second touchdown run of the contest. This one was for 28 yards and made the score 21 to 13. Uh, Jam finished the day with 77 rushing yards and two TDs on the ground. Here is Jam Williams uh, on those t- rushing touchdowns and what he saw on the field. Well, it was just a honestly, I gotta thank my old line for that. I want to thank God. I don't thank old line for my old line for that. You know what I'm saying? Because without them, the first one, it was just, it was just right there. You know what I'm saying? It was just the like a path to heaven. You know, <laughs> and um, the second one, it was just almost the same thing. Even though I broke up with the finish, you know what I'm saying? Without my old line, none of that would ever happen. Yeah, and the the Panthers, the the Bobcats didn't make a run. The, another field goal by Keller. He finished with three on the day. Uh, made the score 21-16 to 16 in the third quarter. 
But once again, the Panthers' offense got things rolling, and Aubrey Payne's 27-yard TD catch on a go route uh, late in the third quarter, actually it was the first play of the fourth quarter, made the score 28-16 to in favor of Georgia State. Uh, the Panthers' defense created a turnover on the Bobcats' next possession as Jalen Jones intercepted the pass thrown by McBride at the five-yard line. The Panthers' defense says earlier in the season struggled to have turnovers. Well, we've seen the past two weeks, their win over Monroe two weeks ago, and this victory over the Bobcats of Texas State. Each of those contests, they've had at least one interception and forced at least one fumble in each of those uh, two victories, and that's coincided with their winning streak. Here is Jones from uh, from Georgia State, the man who picked off the pass on his interception. Oh, I think it was just a just a put an explanation point on the game. Um, it was third, third and long. We had we really hadn't been getting off the field on third and long a uh, few times in the game. So I kind of knew the ball was coming my way, single receiver to the field. He ran a little stutter, and it was kind of mis miscommunication on their end. And I was just able to take advantage. And I'm just glad I could make a play to help help the team. Yeah, so they're taking advantage of the opportunities that are being presented to them as far as getting turnovers. And now the Panthers winning streak, as I mentioned, is two games. And the look at the standings, it's a log jam at the top of the Eastern Division. Coastal Carolina, App State, Troy, and Georgia State are each 2-1 and one in the Sunbelt Eastern Division. The Western Division, Louisiana, is 4-0 and on the season as far as conference play goes. They are really running away with that. Well, they have a two-game lead. Not running away. Two games back are Monroe and Texas State, but they have a two-game margin uh, on all of those teams in the West. But here is Williams on the reasons for the team's winning streak. It's confident. It's knowing our worth because we got some very, very talented athletes. And as you guys saw in the Arbor game, we can compete with anybody. And um, I just feel like everybody's just – being confident and confident in the work that they do throughout the week, you know what I'm saying? It's going to translate over to the game. You know, we have, we still got a long way to go. We still got a long way to go with a lot of corrections to make, but I feel like it's mainly the confidence. Yeah, so it's a lot of confidence, and and I think the the fact that they're able to run the ball and have a good balance on offense has been, has been a very good situation uh, for Georgia State. They face Georgia Southern on October 30th, this upcoming Saturday. We'll have a preview of that contest later on in the week on the site. Let's look at the rest of the Sunbelt Conference as we are rolling along. Probably the game of the season today, and one of the better games on a national radar that we've seen this year, was Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State. A 24-yard field goal from kicker Chandler Stanton, as time expired, gave App State the home victory over nationally ranked Coastal Carolina. It was the Mountaineers' first victory over a ranked opponent since joining the FBS in 2014. And their last ranked victory before that was the the very famous victory at, at Michigan years ago when Jerry Moore was the head coach of the team and, and everything like that. I'm surprised by that because App State has become one of the better uh, non-Power 5 teams in the nation. But to get a victory over a ranked team, maybe the opportunities have not been there for them to do it. But big days from receiving senior wide receivers for Appalachia State, Malik Williams, who had 10 receptions and a career-high 206 yards uh, receiving. Corey Sutton, six catches for 113 yards and a TD. Each of those guys uh, reached the 100-yard mark in receiving. And it's been Chase Bryce who has emerged as – I. you yeah, look at the draft, and that's way down – well, not way down the line, but months from now. 
you gotta look at his his professional pro professional aspects and potential as very high. He had a career high 247 passing yards and two touchdowns in the contest. Uh, but just a very big win for App State and Coastal, nationally ranked all through the all through this season. Very long winning streak snapped, and not only did they loot to get that loss on their mark. They really could have separated themselves in the Eastern Division with that victory. As I mentioned, Coastal, App State, that South Coastal's first loss of the year, a first conference loss. Those two teams are two and one. Troy is two and one, and Georgia State is two and one. We're not at tiebreaker point yet, but Georgia State did lose to App State. They still have to play Coastal Carolina, and they still have to play Troy. And play Georgia Southern. So their back half is very interesting as you look at the standings. So right now, App State should have the... I'm looking at the conference standings now. Technically, Coastal is ahead of App State. That's surprising. I don't think App State would have the tiebreaker, but I'm not going to be... You can't be too picky about that stuff. But that loss really makes things interesting if you look at the the standings of the Sunbelt Conference. As I mentioned earlier, Louisiana still undefeated in conference play. They clinched bowl eligibility for the fourth straight season as it was able to win at Arkansas State 28-27. Big day on the ground for the Raging Cajuns, 424 yards on the ground. Big day for sophomore running back Chris Smith, 238 rushing yards and two touchdowns. And freshman running back Montrell Johnson, he had 150 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. So that was a big part of the the running for the the Raging Cajuns who were able to escape uh, Jonesboro with the victory. And Louisiana Monroe, who are the surprise team, not only, I think, in the conference, but nationally. Remember last season, the the the, the um, Monroe was winless in their campaign. Changing head coach, Coach Bowden has gone in there. And as I said, he's not going to get national coach of the year recognition just because of the profile of the Sun Belt. And he might, may not even get, I think it should be coach of the year within the conference. But the Monroe is now four and three on the season, two and two in the conference. Very big win over uh, South Alabama. 41 to 31 last week. So the past two weeks, we've seen Louisiana Monroe defeat Liberty 31 to 28 and now get a win over South Alabama 41 to 31. Uh, so that's been a, that's a big factor, a big things going on uh, for the, uh, the Hawks and the Warhawks have also benefited from Chandler Rogers, the freshman quarterback. He was a big, he had a big performance uh, for Monroe Threw for 369 yards and four touchdowns in the contest. Remember, we were seeing earlier in the season that Rodriguez would be the starting quarterback. He got injured. So they've had four different quarterbacks take snaps under center for the uh, Warhawks this year. And they found a way to keep winning and be very competitive. And Rodgers had a big, very big day against the uh, against the. The Jaguars. Now, Jake Bentley did have a big day for the South Alabama offense, due for 320 yards and four touchdowns in the losing effort. But as I mentioned, if you look at the Western Conference standings, we broke down the East. Let's do the West. Monroe's 4 0 on the season on a six game winning streak overall. Uh, Monroe is 2 2. Texas State is 1 2. And then you look at South Alabama, they're 1 3. And Arkansas State, 0 3, winless so far in conference play. 
So it's very interesting to see. You can start looking at the standings now and see what's really going on. And let's say Louisiana has a two-game lead in the the Western Division, and uh, that's going to be very tough to overcome. And then the East is going to come down to some tiebreakers. And Georgia State, I know they're the local team that we cover here in uh, Metro Atlanta. There's no bias. Look at all these teams objectively, but they really have they can control a lot of things on their schedule. The victories over Georgia Southern, Troy, and Coastal makes things very interesting for Georgia State if they can move up the standings. But App State does have that tiebreaker over Georgia State now and Coastal Carolina. So the Mountaineers are, they control their destiny pretty much in the the Eastern Division. But Georgia State still has some games at hand against some of those teams in the East. So we'll see what happens there. And that concludes this edition of the Technical State of Georgia Athletics, the Georgia State edition of it, at least. Uh, thanks for listening to our show. As always, go to the mothership to sportsinquire.net. You can also go to our social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Sports Acquire. And then finally, subscribe to our audio and video hosts, such as YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Until next time, good fight, good night, and be safe.